Um, Let me pray one more time. Father, thank you so much that in your word uh, we can see what you have done. Lord, thanks for that narrative. And Lord, thank you that in your word we can hear what you say. Please would you help us to hear and listen and respond to what you are saying to us this afternoon. Amen. Um, If you've watched Lord of the Rings, um, hopefully you'll remember the moment that Frodo and Sam are leaving the Shire. They're walking through farmer's fields, two tiny men uh, on this huge mission. And everything plays into the fact that it's two tiny men and one huge mission. The uh, cinematics of the the massive panoramic view of the backdrop that they're about to leave, um, them looking very small and bewildered. Um, As they leave, as they're walking away, there's this moment where Sam stops still and says, this is it. Frodo turns to him and says, this is what? If I take one more step, it will be the farthest away from home I've ever been. Frodo says, come on, Sam. Remember what Bilbo used to say, it's a dangerous business going out your door. You step onto the road and if you don't keep your feet, there's no knowing where you might be swept off to. It's just brilliant the moment that everything stops. And this is a significant threshold for them hobbits. This is a significant moment that they enter into this huge quest. And they stand on the edge of this significant task. Maybe you can think of a similar moment for you personally, standing on the edge of something significant. Maybe it's the first day of a new job. Maybe it's stepping into a new house for the first time. Maybe it's something different something significant. Well, look, as we read through this narrative, chapters 3 and 4 of Joshua, the people of Israel are standing on the edge. And here's the significance of the moment. This is the moment. This is the moment of all Israel have been waiting for. This is what the people have been waiting for. This is what the, the heart of these chapters is all about. It is them standing on the edge, waiting to cross into the promised land. They'd, had, they'd spent considerable time at Shittim, 13 miles away from Jericho, just touching distance, yet waiting. And now, at last, it looks like they're on the move to the edge of the river. The key thing that we see through the two chapters is the crossing. It is the heart of what's going on. It's mentioned... 22 times the verb to cross. This is what it's all about. This is so significant for God's people moving into the promised land. From the uh, promise to Abraham in Genesis 12, to your offspring I will give this land. It's God's promises moving into fulfilment phase. But you see in verse 2, have a look down, they still don't know how it's going to happen. And so there's a three-day pause. They're on the brink of this long-awaited land, and verse 2, they've just got to wait a little longer. So close. But, 
there's still a significant task. Look at the significance of the task. Just look at verse 15. It gives an indication of the size of the task. Now the Jordan River, that is, is at flood stage all during harvest. That's the river that stands between them and the promised land. That um, probably equates to being about a mile wide, 10 to 12 feet deep, fast flowing, wading, swimming, rafting. They're just not an option. And maybe you think, oh, well, if it was just a couple of young adventurers, surely they'd give it a go. Like that, that can't be too hard. But remember, on the banks of the Jordan, they're waiting is young, old, animals, possessions. It's everyone, everything, waiting, all obstructed by this raging river. See, while they stand on the edge of the most significant moment in the history of Israel, there is still a significant task that lies ahead of them. At this moment, at the beginning of the chapter, we've got no indication of how they might cross the river, neither do they. Those three days of waiting, you can just imagine, can't you? Standing around, looking at the river, just people walking up to it. Well, that is a pretty fast-flowing river. Next person walking, that is a pretty wide river. What are we going to do? Every, every chance for doubt to creep into their minds. What, what's God doing? What are we doing here? You can imagine how overwhelming that would have felt for God's people. The significance of the task is it is completely insurmountable alone. This river is unswimmable, unwadeable, unjumpable, unraftable. God's people cannot get to this new land on their own. So let's look at the significance of the instruction. Verse 3, we begin to hear some instructions about what will happen. Have a read with me. When you see the Ark of the Covenant, the Lord your God and the Levitical priest carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you have never been this way before. And look, really simply, as you read, the instructions are pretty clear, isn't it? And pretty basic. Follow the Ark. And it's funny because at this stage it's pretty unspecific. He's asking the people to just trust in God and follow this box. They don't get too many more details at this point. And maybe you're not familiar with the ark. It's a wooden box that holds the Ten Commandments. It's the emblem of God's presence with his people, God's covenant commitment to the people of Israel. The ark is mentioned 17 times in this crossing. Again and again and again. Look at the ark. Follow the ark. Look at the ark. You see, the instruction's really simple. Follow the ark. Follow the ark. All God's people have to do is is trust him and follow him. But you can be very, very sure that stood in the banks of the Jordan looking across this wide, deep, fast-flowing river. That would have been tough to do. And maybe you think, well, how, 
how could they get so many people to do that with any confidence? Look at verse 10. This is how you will know that the living God is among you and that you will certainly be delivered. The ark of the Lord will go before you. You see, following the ark, it is not just the kind of pragmatic instructions for the way in which the people have to cross, but the way in which they can be sure they're going to be delivered. It's their commitment to a covenant God who continues to look after his people. Even when they're not quite sure what that deliverance will look like, even when they don't know how it's going to come about, they demonstrate their trust in God's deliverance by committing to him. And that comes with that personal reassurance. They're committing to God's way. He will be with them, just as he said. But you can imagine, you see the priests there with their feet in the water waiting for the people to cross. You can imagine that moment, one of those priests stood in the water, starting to dip their toe in going, really? (laughs) Really? Is God really going to get us through this raging river? It looks like chaos to me. How could God sort this? There surely would have been an element of doubt. And you see, for us, whatever we're standing on the edge of, whatever we approach, we may not know precisely how God deals with what feels overwhelming to us. We may not know the time scale of the wait. We might be waiting for the river by the river for more than three days. But we know that God's ultimate plan for deliverance is not following a box. It's following a man, the Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus who gives himself for us. Maybe you feel like you've been standing on the edge for some time. Something feels especially overwhelming. Something really weighing down on you. Couldn't possibly imagine what a crossing looks like. Maybe you feel like you're still waiting for a clear answer from God. Just have a look back at verse 3 and 4. The end of verse 3, follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you have never been this way before. Just think that's a brilliant sentence, isn't it? I mean, so obvious they've never been this way before. So obvious. And yet for us, we so often go away, we have never been before. We don't know what God's answer is yet. We have never been this way before. And yet the instruction for us is the same. Follow him because he is with us. And he does deliver his people. Well, let's look at the people of Israel clinging to the God who delivers. Have a look at verse 14, read with me, to see what happens as they cross the river. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at full uh, flood is at flood during stage. Sorry, now the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap 
a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarethan. While the water flowing down to the Sea of the Arabah, that is the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground, while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. And you see, it's as simple as that. In just a few sentences, the people followed the ark and amazingly God stops the water from flowing and all Israel passed by on dry ground thousands of people God miraculously delivers his people just as he said he would against all the odds God delivers let's just have a look at what the people do as they cross the the river They cling to the God who delivers. And just have a look. They do it following Joshua, following the Lord. Maybe as we read verse 7, you noticed that Joshua is exalted and you thought, it's a bit funny, isn't it? In, In a moment that is clearly completely dependent on God, not Joshua. Why him? Just have a read with verse 7. And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel, so they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. Joshua, he's exalted in the eyes of all Israel. And it's a funny thing, isn't it, to see a leader lifted up in that context where it's clearly God doing the work. Why is Joshua exalted? Well, Joshua is exalted, but everything about him points to God's deliverance. His name, God's deliverance. The people are called to follow Joshua, but but all that Joshua does is again and again points to what God says. God gives his people a person to help them listen to his voice. Do you see what's commended in the leader in verse 9? Joshua says, Come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. All Joshua does is he humbly listens to God and seeks to share what he has to say to God's people. It's good for God's people to follow leaders who simply seek to faithfully respond to what God has to say and share it with his people. Sometimes, certainly in our culture, we're in danger of having all sorts of measures for Christian leaders, all sorts of defining characteristics, but Joshua is pretty simple, what we see about him. He humbly listens to what God has to say. He faithfully puts it into action and seeks to share it with God's people. But you see, as we read this, the call for us is not predominantly about how we respond to our leaders Think about our leaders. The call for us is to cling to God's ultimate deliverance. Not primarily Joshua. The one he's given us. The one whom we find our ultimate deliverance in, the Lord Jesus. Question in those moments. Will you cling to the God who delivers? 
by following the Lord Jesus, by giving him every area of your life. We see as well the people of Israel, they look at the ark and not the river. The author, uh, I think I said, mentions the ark 17 times. It's the focus of the crossing. The crossing is the action. The um, ark is the focus. Why does it, is it mention so much? Well, clearly because we're not to lose sight of it in the narrative, just as the people of Israel were not to lose sight of it as they crossed. They were to follow it, follow it, follow it. They were to place themselves a significant distance behind it so that they could see it. It was lifted high so they could follow it and see it. This is their act of obedience. It's as simple as keeping their eyes on God who delivers. Look, clearly we're not in the same significant moment in Israelite history. Clearly we're not facing the same significant task of crossing the River Jordan. But we quickly become unsure, overwhelmed, we quickly doubt, and yet we're called to listen to the same significant instruction. Not specifically to follow the ark, but to trust in the God who time and time and time again delivers his people. I wonder what those circumstances are for you right now that are hard to trust God in, genuinely threatening that trust. Will you look at the ark and not the river? Will you focus your eyes on the God who delivers his people? And not the circumstances that are so overwhelming. I don't know whether you'd call yourself an observant person. I certainly would have done until this week. I um, was made very aware of a complete inability to see something that I regularly pass by. I reckon I've walked, cycled and driven down Launton Road about 5,000 times. That's not an exaggeration, it might sound like one, but that's a pretty modest calculation. Um, Launton Road, just in case you're not sure completely which road that is, um, it goes from the edge of town, past Garth Park, past the bottom of Longfield here, past the BP garage, past Aldi, past Wicks, past home base, past Lidl, all the way along to uh, the bottom of the airfield by Wyndham Hall Care Home. Hopefully everyone knows where that is. That's Launton Road. And there's a turning opposite the entrance to the industrial estate that has the Royal Mail sorting office in. So we're talking the same side of the road as Wicks and home base in between those two places. There's a turning just there that I was 100% convinced until this week was just a turning for one factory. Uh, I was Googling where to find Oldchester Tiles, and Oldchester Tiles is in fact located on Glanville, uh, Granville Road, uh, 
which is, in fact, the turning between Homebase and Wix. Um, I was convinced, 100% convinced, that was just one factory. But, to my shock, there's 500 metres of the industrial estate down Granville Road, behind that turning that I was sure was just one factory. Look, maybe I, maybe it's, maybe I sound like I'm over-egging this fact. Um, I have gone past 5,000 times, I'm pretty sure. Maybe you're thinking it's pretty unremarkable. But I'm, I am baffled that since the first time I went down that road 12 years ago, every single time I've gone along, I've not noticed... Now, having seen Old Chester Tiles, having been there numerous, numerous times this week, every single time I go past, I look to my left and I can see Old Chester Tiles literally about 25 yards down that road. Having been down that road, been down Launton Road 5,000 times, never before have I seen that shop. Never before have I recognised that there could be anything behind that one factory. I've been completely blind to what is right there in front of my eyes. Maybe you're just thinking, he really isn't very observant. <laughs> but simply, in the words of verse 4, I've never been that way before. I, I don't know, I haven't seen, I haven't been that way before. That's the reality of our human perspective. We struggle to know what we don't remember. We struggle to know what we don't remember. And so here's what God wants for his people. To remember the strong deliverer. Maybe as you listen to chapter 4, and Phil reading along with the stones and the crossing and the 12 and the 12, and you're just thinking, this is so bizarre. Right, if I'm going to get thousands of people through, through a rushing river, I'm not stopping to leave 10, 12 people to collect stones to set them up. I'm just trying to get people through as quick as possible. If you've tried to get any number of people to do anything, you know what that feels like. To get thousands upon thousands of people across a river while picking up 12 stones, what's going on? Well, have a look at verse 5. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. And you can just imagine that is a brilliant little um, question and answer there, isn't it? You can just imagine that moment. A little child comes up to a granddad and says, Oh, what are these stones for? And the granddad tells the story, uh, God cut off the water. And the little boy, your little girl says, no, no way. And that's the reality, isn't it? You just cannot imagine this happening. And yet, these stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. To the people who had their eyes fixed on the ark. It's a reminder of how God faithfully led his people through. Look at verse 21, at the end of chapter 4. He said to the Israelites, in the future when your descendants ask their parents what these stones mean, tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. 
For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we had crossed over. He did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. God has delivered again. Only the Lord delivers his people to a place of rest. And you see, God gives his people a way to help them celebrate and remember something physical to see, to feel. The purpose of the stones is that his people would remember God and his faithfulness. So that his people would never forget what they at first could not see. And for us, God's given us a way to celebrate and remember. He's given us a meal, communion in which we share in celebrating how God ultimately delivers his people in giving his own son, Jesus, sacrifice on the cross so that we would be delivered into eternal rest with him forever. He's given us a meal, communion to celebrate and remember. But there's an encouragement for us too of not just the official meal given, but there's an encouragement, a challenge for us to think of how we talk and remember. It says something about the vision of God's people that the two huge instructions that we see through this passage is look at the ark, look back at the stones. Look at the ark, look back at the stones. Two pictures of God's deliverance. Two ways to help people recognise God in all what might feel overwhelming. It's a constant threat that we just completely lose sight. We're naturally so poor at recognising. We're naturally so poor at remembering. We can't see on a road we haven't been before. And then we, when we do, we quickly forget. So there's a responsibility together for us as the people of town church. There might be some of us walking down roads we've never been on before that others of us might have never been on before. Facing circumstances that are tough, overwhelming, difficult. But together, we're to remind one another of how God time and time and time again delivers his people. And look, as we do that, look at verse 24. He did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. Just like the people of Israel, people will be encouraged in just how powerful the Lord is. Both people that trust him already, but people will hear about the Lord's mighty work. And we will keep a good and right fear of the Lord. A right fear of the Lord that keeps our eyes on him and off ourselves. I don't know if it's because I've been preparing this passage specifically in the last two weeks. And so been kind of looking out for and attuned to how God has been at work. But literally this week, 
I've been reminded of how God has answered prayers that I've prayed for months. For house moves, for operations, for resolutions, for jobs, for health, for health, for friendships. And that's helpful. Because things that feel overwhelming, all-consuming in the moment, so quickly we brush past and we forget how God delivers us. It really helps us to cling to him in those inevitably tough, difficult moments where we feel all out of sorts, where we feel completely overwhelmed, when we're time and time again reminded of God and his faithfulness. Will we be a people at Town Church that seek to remind each other of this good news? Seek to point one another back to the Lord Jesus, God's ultimate deliverance, in whom we will be ultimately delivered, in whom we will be taken to a place of eternal rest, forever with him. This is our faithful God that we can celebrate and remember, that we're given ways to celebrate and remember together. Will we do that? Let me pray. Father, we are sorry that we so quickly have poor vision. We admit that we quickly have poor vision. We can't see where you're taking us and we can't remember what you've done before. Lord, please would you help us, help us together as a family to help one another to recognise your ultimate deliverance in the Lord Jesus, to encourage one another in what you've already done in delivering your people and look to what you will do in ultimately delivering your people to eternal rest with you in heaven. Amen. Well, we're going to sing together. Um, We're going to sing...